Hey Denver, it's Paul. For the past few weeks, I've been reporting a story about weed. Because Denver opened up applications for public consumption businesses last fall, and the first batch are under consideration right now. Including one for the building at 1800 South Broadway, where a late night hookah spot attracted huge crowds and violence most of last year. The owner of the building kicked out the hookah cafe, and now he wants to open a weed lounge there. But the neighbors are still pissed. We asked you all what you think about this particular location, 1800 South Broadway, and this new era of public weed consumption in Denver. And it turns out, you have a lot to say. So our producer Carly Jones has assembled some voicemails, and Xander and I are going to listen and talk it out. Hey, uh, my name is Nick. I'm a big fan of the show. Um, I currently live in Capitol Hill. I moved to Denver in 2013 uh, when I was 18 years old um, to start school at the University of Denver. Um, And I was surprised to hear a story about 1800 South Broadway um, because when I was a freshman in college, um, a group of about 10 friends and I, maybe rotating group of 10, um, would regularly go over to that hookah lounge. Um, I think an aspect that wasn't mentioned in the story, and I'm not really sure how this would fit in exactly, but um, was just the fact that um, you could go there as an 18-year-old, mm. and there aren't that many places in this city um, that you can go out and spend time with your friends um, at night, late at night, uh, if you're under 21. Um, so, you know, we weren't huge uh, hookah people, but it was a, a spot we could go and listen to music and and uh, hang out with friends till late at night. Um, and this was in the 2013-2014 era, so before the most recent owner. Um, but we never had anything but a good experience at that location. Um, but yeah, that's that's my comment. Appreciate the show um, and appreciate your advice that people should be listening to the other side. I think uh, there's, there's a lot of feelings of possession of neighborhoods in, in every city I've lived, including Denver. Um, and I, I agree that, that people would um, be well advised to uh, maybe be a little more open to new people um, and uh, new new business ventures in their neighborhood, that sort of thing. Wow. So, so many levels to that voicemail. Cause like, and I'm really glad that he brought up the point of like, yeah, hookah bars are a place to go when you're not 21, because that is exactly my experience. Like in Colorado Springs growing up. Oh yeah. Where do you go? Like you you, you can't drink, especially in in Colorado Springs. Like there's not a lot to do down there. So we would go to the hookah bars, but you know, you're supposed to be 18 or over to go to hookah bars. But there was a hookah bar in Colorado Springs that let in 16-year-olds. So that's where we were going a lot, too, <laughs> underage. So, like, nice. I feel like this, this is always how hookah bars are. They operate in this weird, like, shady, mm-hmm. gray area space. But, like, it never seemed unsafe to me. And in college, we would go as well in Boulder. And I don't know, Paul, like, did you – have you ever been to a hookah bar? Oh, many, 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 many hookah bars. Um, not, oh, not, wow. not so many in the United States, but I – I studied abroad in Jordan, and then I 
lived in uh, oh, right. the Palestinian part of, well, gosh, that's it. I lived in Nazareth, the, the Arab capital of Israel, which is how some people refer to it, uh, for a little under a year after college. And yeah, it was like, you know, every day. It was just like omnipresent. It was a, a constant factor of life. Um, mm -hmm. but Not just part of the norm. You went to the authentic ones. I guess so. I also, yeah. I also liked uh, at the end he was saying, um, I think people uh, have like weird ownership over neighborhoods, like this weird feeling of ownership. Um, I, that resonated with me. It's like, well, yeah, like... <laughs> I feel like that that feeling goes to Denver as a whole. People feel a lot of ownership with with Denver, mm -hmm. very protective of it. Like, no, this is my Denver. Don't change it. Don't touch it. Yeah. Don't move here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, something from that voicemail that I wanted to address was the the era that he said that he visited this hookah cafe. <sighs> Because mm -hmm. I it I was just putting some you know connecting some dots in my mind. I think he's talking about. The same era that when George Mansour, the guest from part one, was owning this place. who And he said he had no problems. So it just, I don't know, that really lines up. Um, actually reminds me, there was one piece of um, that interview I did with George that didn't fit in either of the two episodes we've made so far about this situation. I I had just, I was the one to deliver the news to him that, that his old landlord, Steve Horwitz, the, the longtime owner of 1800 South Broadway. Um, I was the one who delivered the news that he had died. And George took that pretty hard on our call. Oh, God. Yeah, Steve passed away last year from brain cancer. Oh, my God. Are you serious? Yeah, I'm, I'm so sorry to say. Oh, my God. I know him for 10 years, man. This guy is very good. We'll go for golf and dinner and oh my gosh Jesus Christ this is a bad news for me in the morning I think it just really speaks to the way that relationships are so important in business I mean it sounds cliche but because it sounded like they had a really good relationship George was able to build on that and create a safe welcoming space for people like Nick and I think that's it, it's part of part of the whole story was is how people's choices affect each other and how those ripple effects spread in the community. Yeah, totally. Um, Carly, let's hear the next one. Good morning. My name is Jackie and I just listened to your podcast on 1800 South Broadway, the proposed site for marijuana consumption lounge. Okay. So a few points that were missed in that broadcast. Um, one, the, Location doesn't have adequate parking for its patrons, so they park on our streets. I live about a block away and have had people park up and down and partying till 3 o'clock in the morning. Yes, that was associated with the Habibi Hookah Lounge, but if the marijuana lounge is planning to stay open till midnight or 2 in the morning, which they'd be allowed to, that would be a problem because people would be parking all over and all over our streets in front of our house. And I was woken up from 10 o'clock at night till 4 o'clock in the morning over and over and over again. So if this place stays open till midnight or 2, that would be a problem. Again, same problem. 
So I wouldn't be opposed. People could smoke marijuana all day long, but I would really like to see them close by 7 or 8 o'clock at night and be cleared out from our streets. That's what I say. There's a problem with the parking. There's a problem with the hours. So if we could negotiate with him to make sure as people park on Broadway, don't park in front of our homes and keep us awake all night long um, and close earlier. That's all I'm saying. Thank you for your attention to this matter. Um, I was a little saddened that you thought it was so funny at the beginning of the podcast because it's not. It was a real problem. And I don't think you'd like to be woken up all night long over and over and over and see police car lights on and people screaming in the street. Who knows? That may be different patrons, but I kind of doubt it. All right. That's about all I have to say. Thanks. I'm not even going to go into the trash and the gunshots <laughs> and all that because you obviously are already aware of it. Thank you. Mm. Bye. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the parking, that's a fair point. I mean, that's... I don't know how the weed lounge would would change that. I mean, that's like a really tough, tough area of Broadway. Like there's just limited parking there. Um, There's only like four, maybe five spots in the lot at this location. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I hear her on that. I don't. Did we think? Did we make it seem like it was funny in the beginning of part one? Uh, yeah. I mean, the Ernie and the rubber <laughs> ducky not. thing that was that was funny. Oh, and I guess you're right. You know, from the outside looking in, there are parts of this that are funny. A uh, new medical marijuana shop in Denver called the Ganja Gourmet. That's the name. Ganja Gourmet is now serving a marijuana pizza. Pizza made with marijuana. Talk about killing two birds with one stone, right? I mean, I mean you're going to order the pizza anyway. Um, yeah. I mean, it's a public place to smoke weed. There's, that's just a brand new thing. And that's kind of, that's kind of a funny idea. It's yeah, it's unusual, but I do want to take her point to heart though, of like, this is a serious situation to a lot of people who live in that area and we don't live in that area. And so if we made too light of it, um, I, I apologize for that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I also don't want to, don't want to trivialize this matter. Um, her other point was about the hours, hours of operation. Um, after talking to Josh about his business plan, it kind of sounded like he was focused more on like a coffee shop vibe. Um, so it was more geared towards the mornings. But he also told me that he wants to stay open until midnight. I don't know. I expect that to be a, a key issue at the hearing. I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if there were compromises made on that front. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. The- Wow, these voicemails are just very, uh, very thoughtful. Carly, let's, uh, let's hear another one. Hi, it's Jackie calling back again. I'm afraid I was a little nervous on that first call. I just wanted to say also that I have talked to Josh and listened to Josh, and I admire him for wanting to carry on his father's wishes. I just think it's the wrong location. Now, we have had several neighbors who have put their house up on the market, seven already. Just they can't take it anymore and they're leaving. It's sad. Thanks for listening again. Yeah, that is interesting. Jackie, thanks for calling back. Um, Xander, would you move out of your neighborhood if there was a, a weed lounge opening down the block? Um, 
I don't know. I mean, it's hard. I, I feel like I would not care, but also I I would have to, I wouldn't want a loud neighbor, of course. Uh, I wouldn't want something that was creating a nuisance, but you know, I, I don't know. It's hard because you're spending a lot of money when you buy a house, when you buy property, that's a big investment and it's hard to move once you're in for most people, I would think. So yeah. yeah, I mean, I would say if I knew that there was a weed lounge down the block when I was shopping around for a house, I maybe might not want to do it. I don't know. Hmm. You know, when I was down there talking to his neighbors just on the street, I did happen to run into a couple that had just finished looking at a house. They were, a real estate agent was giving them a tour and I asked them about it and they, they seemed totally fine with it. You know, that's just two people, but... <laughs> It wasn't having any uh, impact on their decision. Yeah, and they didn't know the whole That's backstory good. with this this person. And, you know, they don't have the oh. same baggage that um, the rest of the neighbors have. It's me again, Jackie. Okay, so I mentioned about the people who put their houses on the market recently. Well, in your podcast, um, you t Paul mentioned that the neighborhood decided as a group that we didn't want to go to the media. Well, we discussed it. Some of us wanted to, some of us didn't. Some people were worried about their property value going down. And some of those people have put their houses on the market anyway and are leaving. Obviously, property values haven't gone down recently anywhere. But there you have it. That is one of the reasons we did not want to talk to um, to the media and have the neighborhood look bad in general. So that's the reason. Thanks. Bye. I'm going to try not to call back again. Bye-bye. <laughs> Jackie, three times a charm. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for calling Jackie again. Um, that was yet another thoughtful and nice and nice comment. Um, and a yeah. very interesting one. This property value thing. I mean, I think I mentioned that I saw that there were a lot of for sale signs when I was down there. But I didn't. It didn't occur to me that it might be connected. I just, you know, figured that's that's Denver right now. People are getting out while the getting's good. Right. Well, and we also talked about just, you know, a minute ago that like, this was not impacting people's decisions who were shopping in the neighborhood. Right. You talked to one couple who was like, oh yeah, we're, we're thinking about buying, but we don't care that there's a weed lounge mm -hmm. going in. So, uh, that's interesting though that that was one of the reasons why they didn't yeah. want to talk to the press. Yeah. I actually should address that point, like our influence on this story, because it sounds like that's what that's the point she's making is like by covering it, we'd have some effect on property values, affect the neighborhood. Um, our obligation is to the truth. I feel like people should know what kind of neighborhood they're buying into. They should know the full situation and be able to make Absolutely. an informed decision. So... I would hope that anyone looking at a house down there would be fully aware of the entire situation, both from the neighbors and hearing about how bad it was last year with these late night issues, and also from the business owner, Josh, whose family has owned 1800 South Broadway for like 20 years now. Yeah. You know, he's yeah, a part of the Yeah, that worries me too. that, I don't know if, they, if they're doing this, but if realtors are trying to hide like the history of what's been going on at 1800 South Broadway, it's like, I feel like that's kind of on the level of like hiding the fact, I don't think that they're <laughs> legally allowed to do this, but like hiding the fact that like someone died in this house or something. <laughs> um, Carly, what's next? Did Jackie call again? Hi, City House Denver. This is Bailey Rose and I'm calling from the North Side. 
I have a weed lounge in my living room, <laughs> but I would like a public space to consume, and I think it would be really great. And I think that the neighbors that are concerned with violence and people smoking weed maybe have never smoked weed before because they people just, you know, want to, like, hug and eat and chill after they smoke weed. It's wildly different than alcohol, and a lot of weed people know that. So if I were those neighbors, I would, like, you know, start, like, a cookie-baking operation or, like, making stuffed animals or something complimentary to weed smoking. Oh, my gosh. I, I just thought so of a much. brilliant idea. If the weed lounge opens, uh-huh. the Girl Scouts should just set up shop right out front oh, of the weed 100%. lounge. They'll make a killing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that. I don't I don't know, though. I... I feel like this comment brings up um, uh, something that's like interesting about the broader story about these weed lounges opening up all across the city that I couldn't really get a handle on when I was working on this. I, I don't know if people actually want this. Like, I think most people are like Bailey and they have a weed lounge in their living room or their back porch. Like, mm-hmm. I, I really can't imagine personally going out somewhere with the specific purpose of smoking pot in a public place. And maybe that's just because I can't imagine what it would look like or like why it would be comfortable or appealing, but it just doesn't feel like it's for me. I don't know. Xander, yeah. do, you, is, do you feel like there's a demand for this? Um, I, I agree with you that I don't know if it's like a local demand, but I think the business owner, Josh brought up in, in your interview with him that like, it's, it's a lot of tourists who are like buying weed at the dispensaries and then being like, where can we smoke this? Right. And I do feel like, the weed tourism boom that was happening a few years ago, like it would, it would definitely come back in a big way hmm. if, if these weed lounges started opening up. Because it's like, I, I remember covering like some of the bus tours, like before those really yeah. got cracked down on of like people would buy tickets to be on this big party bus. It's like a big limousine bus and you're just like smoking on the bus. And it was all people from out of state, every single one of them. You ever done one? I, I went on one for, for a story. Yeah. And then I got a little like a contact high because I was like in a bus with all these people who are hotboxing the bus. And I'm just like there with my microphone interviewing them. But um, I went home a little a little happy. But yeah, it was, <laughs> it, was uh, it was interesting. And then and but then it was like six months after my story came out, there was a bunch of arrests that were made. Like the huh. feds were trying to crack down on those bus tours, really, and that one company in particular, yeah, my four twenty tours. I wonder if they're trying to um, to get back in the game with this new hospitality license system that the city's got. That would be an interesting call. Yeah, maybe we'll do that. Hmm. Um, let's hear another one. Hi, Citycast. Uh, my name is Miranda, and I live in Cap Hill, and I'm calling about the. Um, recreational marijuana consumption site that you guys were discussing at 1800 South Broadway. Um, I actually live very close to another site that submitted an application for the consumption of marijuana. It's at 420 11th Avenue, <laughs> um, an apt uh, address, I think. Um, it's actually the Patterson Boutique Hotel. It's like an old mansion. Um I live very close to it. Um, I am totally unopposed to it. I think it's about time that Denver provide a legal place for people to use marijuana. Um, I mean, just for like tourism and things like that. Um, 
you know, when friends come visit, I could I could take them in there and, you know, we could smoke weed instead of going to the bar to have a drink. So I'm actually really excited about it. Um, yeah. Thank you, guys. Love the show. Bye. Hmm. Well, there you go, Xandra. Asked and answered. Yeah. Miranda's it excited. Was, you know, a tourism thing. And, you know, people always, like, whenever they come from out of town, I feel like when I have people from out of town, they're like, what should we do in Denver? Where should we go? Where should we go eat? And it's like... I don't know. I tell them like brewery tours or stuff like that, but this could be added to the list. Well, go to the weed lounge and hang out. And I think too, I'm glad that she kind of, this is something that maybe we should have talked about more is like, well, what, and I know it's hard because they're not like fully established, like in the same way that this new weed lounge would be, Mm -hmm. but like what has been the reception like, and like the culture been like around these weed lounges that have operated in this weird gray space, you know, for the last uh, couple of years or whatever as like private lounges. It's like, well, what's, has there been trouble there? Yeah. Doesn't sound like it. Not at this one. Not in this one case. Yeah. It's an interesting question. Yeah. I haven't heard anything about that. Um, all right, Carly, how about another one? Hi, CityCats Denver team. Uh, my name is Nick Millizer. I currently live over in the Five Points area of Denver. Um, and I just listened to your story on the 1800 South Broadway. And my overall takeaway is that it seems like the neighborhood is punishing a new business owner for the crime of a past occupant. So it is a little disheartening to see a neighborhood not even give someone a fair shake, to not even give them a chance is unfair and wrong. And that's my opinion. And I also would be super down for a a weed smoking lounge <laughs> in my neighborhood. Um, seems like all they do when you smoke weed is chill and eat Cheetos. Sounds like going to create the same problem. All right. Thank you very much. Bye. It's always the Cheetos, the Cheeto reference. We're not sponsored by Cheetos, to be clear. I know that this is the second <laughs> Cheetos reference mm-hmm. that people have made. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, thanks for calling, Nick. Thanks for calling everybody. These were all such interesting comments and thoughts. I think it's interesting that it sounded like the majority of the voicemails that we got, which I mean, I don't know, is like a very small sliver of the greater population, but still, uh, they were more in support of the weed lounge. It sounded like we got more in support of this than not. It does seem like that. It does seem like that. Of course, these people are all, you know, from all over the city, didn't have to deal with any of these issues. Like they don't have skin in the game in that same way, but, but yeah. Um, and it's interesting that there does seem like there is demand out there for these weed lounges. That was like, what, three people expressed that they would, they would be, they would be down for it. I don't know. Yeah. That's good to hear. Yeah. I mean, good work, Paul. I, thanks for bringing this story to us and kind of diving in. I know it's not something we get to do a whole lot at CityCast, but I think this was a really interesting, uh, project. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's been a pleasure and I hope we get to keep following it. The hearing is in May, so... I'll certainly be watching that. And um, if anyone else has thoughts in the meantime or or wants to talk about weed lounges in general, uh, our phone number is 720-500-5418. Leave us a voicemail with your name and neighborhood, and uh, we might play it on the show. We might talk about it. Cool. Thanks again, everyone. Bye. Bye.